and welcome to the first Football Faithful podcast of the 2018-2019 Premier League season. My name's Sam Steen and joining me as always is Peter Henry. Hi, Peter. How's it going, lads? Good. Now, uh, Danny and Carl are still struggling for fitness after the World Cup, so we've got a new signing making his debut. That's Anthony Kelly. Hi, Anthony. How's things? Hi, Sam. Good. How are you? Very good. Very good. Uh, you know, it's funny, just speaking of the World Cup, I was a bit worried, actually, about the start of the new season. I thought I might be suffering from a kind of football overload or something like that, but Jesus... Just the second it came back, even like after the, the charity shield and the start of the championship, once you'd Bielsa doing his interviews and you'd the Mr. Boilerman over at uh, West Brom, I was like, yes, it's back in. So uh, tell us then, lads, we'll, we'll kick off before we get into the games. I want to hear about your moment of the opening weekend. What was that? Peter, we'll start with you. Yeah, like normally I'd always go, I suppose, with, with something that happened in a game or something. But for me, the opening weekend, obviously there's the whole, you know, getting your first bet on in a while and, you know, going out and watching a few 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 games with your mates. But for me, the best part is always at half ten on the Saturday night where you hear, when you hear the match of the day music, you know, life is back to normal then and uh, you're in for a treat. Yeah, match of the day music for me, the highlight of the weekend. That's a, that's a pretty good one. All right, Anthony, what about you? Yeah, he's blown me out the water there with mine. I was going to say... Um... A bit of goals on Sunday and the prelude to the Liverpool game. You know, he's, you know, he's no, you know, you know, he's no, you're back on. Get a bit of the highlights in there, and um, yeah, the, the build up, the build up always gets me. To be honest with you, the nerves are always getting to me. So I think, I think just just the nerves in general were. Uh, we're getting over that was the highlight, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's fair enough. I think uh, my highlight, and of course we'll get on to Liverpool in a little while, was uh, Jurgen Klopp's double-handed power wank celebration. That was uh, <laughs> absolutely top class. Uh, but we'll start with the champions. Uh, not too many signings uh, for Manchester City. They ran out 2-0 winners over Arsenal, but uh, fucking hell, they look good, Peter. Yeah, I, I, I actually thought it was kind of ominous. Um, one thing even general about the, the Premier League uh, opening weekend, it, it was really predictable in a way. Like I kind of thought that a few of the big teams, obviously with the, with the trouble of you know, getting people back after the World Cup, the, the shorter transfer window, not all teams doing the business they wanted. Um, and City would fall into that bracket. They didn't sign many, like you said, and, and, and you know they had a lot of De Bruyne and etc. coming back late, company and that. But the teams that finished one to five last season all won pretty comfortably, you'd have to say. And uh, I thought Man City, just even as well the Chelsea game, um, I was kind of hoping they might start a little bit slowly, foot off the gas as well with with the World Cup players. But I, I think it's actually ominous. I think people should be very, very afraid. Neutrals should be afraid because it might be a boring title race. And top six rivals should be afraid because... I think City are set up to go on a period of domination, um, you know, winning the league three, four years in a row. I know Liverpool have spent well, but I just don't see anybody catching this City team. I thought that, the reason I'm saying that I thought it was ominous was because, you know, you had the likes of, you had Foden and Bernardo Silva. Bernardo Silva was, you know, he was, he played 63 games last season, funny enough, but you'd never would have said he was really pushing for a place in the starting eleven. I thought he was absolutely. He's been their best player over the two games. You know, Stones and Laporte maybe wouldn't be first choice. It would be Adamendi and company. They've both come on leaps and bounds from last season. I think you know Fabian Delft did a good job covering for Mendy last season. But in the two games I've seen Mendy play, he gives them a whole different level down that left. His pace, his directness. He's a really good passer of the ball actually as well. So 
I think City's not even, you know, last season we used to look at them a bit and think, oh, what if they lost to Bruyne or, you know, what if Silva was out or, or I know Silva was out for a while. But, you know, you'd be kind of picking holes a little bit saying they might struggle if, if other players had to come in. But I think the first two games have shown that I think City's whole squad, he's almost, they're so ingrained now, it's his third season. They're so ingrained in playing football the way he was, he wants, because sometimes people think Guardiola's playing players are going out and expressing themselves and they are to a certain degree but he's actually a very rigid in his tactical approach how he makes his teams play it looks brilliant but it's actually quite you know he has people almost you know standing in little squares of grass at times so what the scary thing for me was that city team i think can just rotate its players and barely lose its performance levels you know i i honestly i'd be really really wary of this team i think they could just it was boring the title race last season, and and I could see it going this way again because um, I don't think any other team will be able to beat the teams below them with such ease as Man City do. Yeah, no, I I probably agree with that, uh, Anthony. It, it's funny. I, I'm sure you've probably seen the reports as well of a lot of the City players at the World Cup, Vincent Company and the like, kind of coming together and when they're talking outside of the games and at the end of games, saying we got to get back early. We need to like start as we mean to go on when we go back to our club and even Sterling you know he got to the he's playing in the third place playoff and he came on scored his 50 50th Premier League goals do, do you think there's any yeah. stopping City this term well you know it's it, it can be quite boring to disagree 100% but it, it, it's hard to disagree with Peter isn't it I mean I think what what frightened me against um, you know for City against Arsenal was just how strong he looked in in terms of depth and um, how well drilled Guardiola's got them and it was almost, um, I think, they were almost in second gear against Arsenal. Mm. It was like almost like a textbook sort of, let's cruise, let's cruise to a 2-0 victory. And they're almost like conserving their energy. And that's, that's the impression I got at times. It, you, you got the impression that they could quite easily click up a gear and, and find an extra sort of bit of verve in the performance. So, yeah, I, I think I could see them quite easily dominating. I mean... The only slight question mark is a lot of their players. You know, you, you mentioned Silva before, Pete. He's, he's played a lot of games. Fernandinho's played a lot of games. Aguero's played a lot of football. You know, is it going to catch up with them at some point, perhaps with a World Cup fatigue? That's perhaps maybe the only question mark over whether they can dominate. What about Arsenal then? You mentioned them and you said that City didn't really need to get out of second gear. Is it? Is it? Uh, there's been a lot of new faces in, new manager, but is it the same old Arsenal or is it just that City are that good? I don't think it's the same old Arsenal. I think, you know, you, you can definitely see the new managers trying to, he's trying to give them that little bit of extra steel in the underbelly. You, you can see which, which Wenger, you know, was trying to do for years. Um, but they're, they're building from a much lower base. And I think that's the reality check Arsenal are going to find now. I don't think they were as atrocious as some people are making them out to be. They were just a bit tame in the performance, you know. So I think they'll definitely want to see improvements. There's definitely quality there, but, you know, to be beaten so easily by City would be quite disappointing for them, definitely. It, it was hard, though, like to, to really notice. Um, I, like, I definitely I agree with you. Like, Emery is a different type of coach. His yeah, whole career would, would tell you that. But it, we're just watching the game, apart from the kind of playing, trying to play out from the back, it, it was kind of quite difficult to tell that that was a different manager than Arsene Wenger. I did feel it was a kind of typical Arsenal performance. They only really started... <laughs> They only kind of start playing once they were down, like you know. Um, although yeah. it is hard to say they won't be playing Man City every week, you know. It, it, you know, it's a bit knee-jerk to say you know nothing's changed, but uh, and things will take time to change, of course, because Wenger had been there so long. But um, yeah, I, I didn't. 
it, it, it did seem like a typical Arsenal performance, even if I'm not going to you know, say nothing's ever going to change over the course of the season. What's a successful season then for Arsenal this term? What, what are they ex- expecting? Top four will be massive for, for Arsenal this season because, um, I, you know, I remember even saying to you last, last year, it shouldn't even be called a top six, it should be called a top five. Arsenal are never going to be threatening to get into it the way things were. So I, I think top, top four, fourth position, whatever, would be a great achievement for Emery. Um, I think it's going to take a long time to change a lot of his players' mentality as well. But he does have some great attacking talent there. You know, Aubameyang and, and, and Lacazette, like ridiculous record, a goal every 21 minutes last season when they played together. And Aubameyang could, you know, potentially score them a lot of goals. But I, I just think, I just think it's so competitive at the top now with, with, with the other five teams there that I think it'll be tough for them, um, you know, to make it into that top four this season. Because I just think there's a, there's a lot of deadwood there, the Jackers and, and, and players like that, that, you know... I, I can't see them changing anytime soon. They just need to be got rid of. Um, yeah, for all the players they so, brought in, they didn't do a whole lot about getting rid of the dead wood, did they? This is it, you know. So, Torreya could be a good player from. It's too it's too early to judge after one game against the best team in the league. It, it is a bit harsh, you know. I think we, we'll have to be looking back in in a few weeks' time. It, it did look a bit strange to be asking a 36 year old goalkeeper who's never done anything but kick it long in his career to start playing out from the back. That did seem a little bit strange. Yeah. When you've spent yeah. 20 million on a on a goalkeeper who, who who's used to playing that style, that was a bit. Of a weird one now but um yeah I, I think it's a bit early and he's gonna need time like it's such a massive job going into a club like arsenal who's had the same manager for 22 years so i, I don't want to be jumping you know jumping to any rash conclusions but i do think it will be difficult for them to qualify for the top four and if they do that that's a massive achievement now it'll be very interesting to watch as the as the season goes on all right then anthony here's your moment liverpool four west ham <laughs> nil uh I mean, Liverpool continuing strong form from pre-season where they were just battering everyone around them and uh, lots of good signing, signings and fitting in very nicely, very quickly. Title contenders? Well, you know, it's, it's what we were saying about City, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's, it's That expectation on them this season is going to be telling. If, if they can deal with that expectation, then there's no excuse in my opinion. You know, the quality is there, the strength and depth is there. I don't think the squad has looked this good um, in, in most of our sort of Premier League lifetimes watching them. Um, they look they, they look full of, of movement, pace, running. Um, I thought Cater was just a fantastic compliment to the front three as well against West Ham. Uh, the timing of his runs, you know, the weight of his passing, it, it was just fantastic to watch, to be fair. Uh, it, it's very early days yet to say we're stitch on title contenders, but you'd like to think we could make a serious um, a serious improvement on last season's position, definitely. What about it, Peter? As a United fan, looking across at Liverpool, it's not been, <laughs> it's, it's not been the best summer. No, it's, it's not been pleasant. So, <laughs> uh, now, listen, I'm, yeah, obviously, with what's going on at United, it's been even less pleasant. Now, I think, look, there, there's absolutely no doubt Liverpool looked like the team best uh, equipped to challenge City. There, there's absolutely no doubt about this, about that. that you know, for, for me... This is the group, on paper anyway, it's the best squad and starting 11, 11 yeah. Liverpool have, have ever had in my, in, my in the Premier League era, right, since back in 1992. But I, I do think that, you know, the time for excuses is over now as well, you know. Like, Klopp was kind of able to hide behind a little bit that, you know, he hadn't spent as much as City and, you know, had, as Man United and stuff. But that, that's completely gone out the window now. It's his fourth season. 
He spent over 400 million. I'm not having any of this net spend crap. He spent over 400 <laughs> million. He spent over 400 million. End of story. And, you know, he has to, I wouldn't say he has to, to win the Premier League this year, but he has to be there, thereabouts, I think. He has to put up a yeah. challenge. Um, because yeah. otherwise, ultimately, what's the point? Um, and, and kind of, he does have to win some form of a trophy, I think, this season, or else go very, very close. Because otherwise, you know, what, what's what is the point ultimately? Because I saw him during the week, kind of with his, you know, we're Rocky Balboa quotes, and I think it'll be interesting. I thought it was rubbish. Now, I, it's like his famous quote against when he was the Borussia Dortmund manager against Bayern. I, I think you know it might. I think Klopp's the kind of manager who likes to be the underdog. But he's not the underdog anymore unless up against City. But against every other mm. team in that league, um, he, he has probably the best squad. I think on that, though, he is, he is trying to manage the situation because, there's, as, as I said before, there's so much expectation. As, as you rightly yeah. say, the, the expectation is warranted. But, you know, this, this group of players, the core of them have lost three finals. And you just get that, you, there's that sort of uh, wariness that there's maybe a bit of a... Um, uh, a soft underbelly with, with, with some of them, so he, maybe he's trying to shield them from that expectation. I think he knows full well that you know he, he's got to be challenging this season for something. You know, if we're out of everything by January, then it's it's not going to reflect very well on him at all. The boo boys will start coming out. You see, your job on this podcast, Anthony, is, is to to get excited about Liverpool, and my job, as my United <laughs> fan, is to pick holes in Liverpool. So it's so well. <laughs> I don't get excited, mate. They, they, they did look really, really good the other day, and I would agree um, about Keita. You know, they. I actually did a scouting report for him for the website. Not not this this summer, the summer before, and I actually I remember saying to somebody he's like Kante, but but then he can go forward with the ball, and I've seen a lot of people saying that in the last few weeks. If he's able, I'm not sure he quite be able to translate, you know, not straight away anyway, his, his form of the season be formed in, in the Bundesliga, but, you know, he, he looks like a frightening player, looks like a, a real all-round midfield player, so I think, you know, keeping keeping him and Salah, etc. fit, like, Liverpool will, will, will really, really do well this season. I just think sometimes that, like I said about City, I think, I don't think the league always comes down to how you play against the other top six, it's obviously important. A lot of it is how you do against them teams below you. Um, yeah. And I think against you know against low blocks, you know Klopp's high press doesn't really come into play, so they can struggle a little bit. But I think Keita could be a, a big, a big uh, could have a big part to play in Liverpool. He gives them another option against uh, tight knit uh, defenses. So if I was a Liverpool fan, I would be very very enthusiastic. <laughs> A uh, quick yeah. word on uh, on West Ham then. Five new players in the starting lineup. They've got a, a new big name manager in Manuel Pellegrini, uh, but still shipped four goals. I mean, uh, there'll be plenty of teams will get battered at Liverpool, I imagine, this season. But is, are they still a long way off, or was it just that they were up against a much better side? I'd say, um, yeah, I think, uh, unfortunately for West Ham, they came up against a much better side. Um, I do think, though, as a West Ham fan, you, you'd, you'd want to see a bit more fight. And they made it very easy for us at times. I mean, there was only one sort of direct ball played at our back four pretty much for the entire first half. So you'd want to see a bit more. It's very hard to judge. It's only early days, but there's certainly been a lot of money spent on that squad and you've got a good manager in Pellegrini. So um, I think they will do a lot better as the season goes on, definitely. I think we said the same thing last season, Peter, at the start of the 
you know, uh, United bet them four 0 in the first game last season. Yeah, but I think just at the end of the transfer window last year, we were going, Jesus, they've signed a lot of good players. They 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 could be decent, and then they were terrible. But uh, like, yeah. <laughs> well, no, I think they, they were poor last I think season. A lot of people were fooled thinking the likes of signing Joe Hart and Pablo Zabaleta and all were, were good signings. They they weren't really. Um, I never thought they were. They did, you know, Arnautovic turned out to be good, but he started terribly. Um, Chicorito's never really done it for them. No, um, no. I, I do think if if I look at West Ham, I, I think West Ham would be fine. Listen, I think they'll kind of finish around mid table or whatever. But I, I'd look, I'd look at that club and I'd almost think they've signed too many players. Like they, every day they were signing players at one stage there during the transfer window. I think they brought nine or ten players in. That's an awful lot. And when you consider the season beforehand, that they probably signed what seven, eight, six, seven players as well. That's huge turnover in terms yeah. of playing staff, and yeah. you know, going to Liverpool when you're, you know, with a brand with a lot of new players on the opening day is quite difficult. Although it wasn't a completely new team, um, like you must think well, half, there were five new signings, over. five new signings in the starting lineup. It, well, oh, was there was there that yeah, many? Yeah. I was just well, then yeah, there you go, and, and plenty more in the squad. You might, like imagine Mark Noble there, like he must, they must have fucking name tags on walking around the <laughs> training ground. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, let's move on to City then. They beat Huddersfield 3-0 and uh, and looks pretty good in doing so. Georgino looks very, very good. They got the new keeper in as well. But maybe even holding on to some of their players was as big a deal as uh, as the ones that they brought in, Peter, because Hazard had a hell of a World Cup. And Yeah, listen, Hazard, for me, is one of the... You know, he's, he's up there as one of the best players in, in, in the Premier League, um, even in Europe. I thought, he, I thought he would actually go to Real Madrid and I think maybe if it had been a longer transfer window... Yeah. He may well have gone, you know, but obviously, you know, that I don't think you're going to see any high-profile high players leave English clubs after the window, you know, was closed early, which I think was an absolutely ridiculous move the year after a World Cup and when all the other countries are, aren't doing it. But anyway, different different story. Um, yeah, holding on to him, holding on to William, you know, uh, obviously massive because they wouldn't have got anyone else in of that quality. And, you know, they'll give Hazard a big pay bump and problem, probably promising a move next year or something you know um, and he'll be fine but I think if you take Hazard out of that team like you saw it against they do like it's weird with Chelsea because they do have some really good top international players like like um, you know William and Pedro Morata and stuff up front but I think when you take Hazard out of the out of uh, the team, that team, like their their level drops massively he really is there you know he's their spark he's their main man so um, huge to keep him and yeah, I thought they were quite poor against uh, City in, in the Charity Shield. And I thought they looked okay the other day against Huddersfield. But, like, I thought Huddersfield were absolutely terrible. It's kind of a hard mm. one to judge, you know. Yeah. Um, Huddersfield are going down after I watched that game. They offered nothing for the entire 90 minutes, pretty much. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Sarri gets on as well. Because his Napoli team were obviously... A lot of people said they played the best football in Europe, even better than Man City last season. So... It'll be really interesting to see how he, he, can, he can get his philosophy across. Um, but it was interesting, you know, I saw a stat in the Man City game with Charlie Shield. Up until the, I think it was the 60th or 70th minute, uh, Chelsea had had more passes than Man City. <laughs> That's interesting. Which, which, which is unheard of normally. Like, so it does kind of show you a bit that, that Sarri is getting his message across. Yeah. So... Yeah, they, like they, I think it's an, it's going to be intriguing uh, for the Premier League in general to see how Chelsea turn out as well because they're such a weird club. Like they can 
there's a part of me that's afraid of them this year because they were so bad last year, which you would normally say about no other club. Like right. they're the club that lurches from yeah, to first absolutely. to fixed yeah. to first. So, yeah, it, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens there. Well, that's just what I was going to say to Anthony. Is this going to be one of their on seasons in their on and off again kind of thing? Can they challenge yeah, this team? I think they can challenge with the team. The quality is there without shadow of a doubt. It, it's whether the, um, it, it, this experiment gets given time, isn't it? I mean, to me, when they, when they were going after Sadi and they got Sadi, um, it's no doubt he's a top-class coach. I mean, apparently, if you drive to any village in Tuscany, in Italy, he's coached the team there. You know, he's, he's just an out-and-out football coach. He's a football man, uh, meticulous in his, in his approach. I think he's got something like, you know, 50, 60 or different defensive drills for different scenarios. He's... Um, it's, but that's the thing, isn't it? it it's whether he can adapt um, to his methods. And it, to me, it seems very experimental. Uh, they've been there before with the likes of Vilas Boas and um, Scolari, and they didn't last very long. There's not much sort of um, time for Chelsea managers to try and build something. Um, it, it, you know, Huddersfield, as Pete said, they're not, a, they're not a great side. I think I think they'll go down as well this season, to be honest with you. Um, they'll, they'll face much better teams this season. But I think... Um, if they can get Jorginho uh, playing well, I think he'll be pivotal to them because they like the ball on the ground with this guy. And uh, I think William was crucial as well because he, he's a willing runner. And um, so there's definitely ingredients there. It's whether it's whether that experiment gets time. If they get three or four ropey results in the league, are they going to get the boo boys out again? And it, it's going to be intriguing one this season with Chelsea. I think they could be dark horses for to make a title bid, but at the same time you've got that implosion within the core group of players, haven't they? So he's never actually won anything though. It, it, it's no, he hasn't. For, for a fifty-nine-year-old yeah. coach to get a top-six yeah. job in the Premier League, haven't actually won nothing. But yeah, then, he's, he's not been around very long, though. No. In terms of where he's come from, he hasn't been in, in the top flights yeah. of Italy for that long either. Yeah. Uh, I think he's, he's a bit of a source of embarrassment for like the top echelons of Italian football because he was shunned um, by a lot of the coaching schools because he didn't know anybody. Basically, didn't have the contacts. Uh, I think he is a top-class coach, but again. You know, are Chelsea the club who want to be experimenting? They always seem to go for the sure thing, like Mourinho or Ancelotti. You know, and it's, it's whether there's, there's a wind of change blowing at Stamford Bridge or whether they'll get cold feet on it and just go did back you, for a sure thing. Did anyone see him chewing the cigarette butts, though? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, that should have been my moment of the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Top his, class. Uh, his glasses on his fob was a good one as well. He looked like a mad scientist, didn't he? <laughs> Uh, no, it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens at Chelsea over the course of the season. And I think, Anthony, you're right. I think there probably is a change coming in there in the way that they do business in terms of bringing through their young players and, and maybe not forking out as much money. I know they spent a lot of money on Kepa and stuff like that as well, but I think there's going to be some changes there. Anyway, uh, we'll crack on. We'll talk about United and uh, the rest in a little bit. But first, it's time for part one of our quiz. Are you ready? Hey. Yeah. Anthony's just fallen over there, is he? Just with excitement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my that that was his encyclopedia of football books. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Google on my phone here. Ready? <laughs> right, well, lads, uh, I'm going to do the World Cup, actually, because we, we didn't do World Cup pods. We didn't talk about it much, and there was a whole lot of, you know, obviously it was one of the best World Cups ever. So, it's a World Cup quiz. No cheating throughout the rest of the podcast for part two, which is coming up towards the end. What you have to do, as always, guys, I'm going to ask a question. You say your name, and I'll go to you. And if you've got the right answer, great, you've got a point. If you've got the wrong answer, it'll go to the other person, okay? Question number one. At 45 years and 161 days, who became the oldest ever Peter. player? Peter. Peter, the Egyptian goalkeeper. And his name? 
Oh, come on, Sam, <laughs> <laughs> El, Elmer, Elmer something. I don't know. You're yeah, pretty close, Anthony. If you, if you can't do oh, better than that. I get a half a point. You get a half a point if, unless Anthony can get it. <laughs> El, El Mini or something, I don't know. <laughs> it was El Hadery. So there you go. El Hadery, yeah. Yeah, obvi- obviously, lads. Jesus Christ. Obviously, yeah. yeah, yeah. Peter, I'll give, I'll give you a half a point. Uh, question yeah. number two. And I think you're going to have to be quick with this one. What was the only goalless draw of the tournament? Ant. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go, um, was it Iran, uh, Iran-Morocco, was it? No. Oh. oh, this is really obvious, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Peter, it was France and Denmark. It no. was France and Denmark. Yeah. One and a half points, Peter. Uh, and we'll leave that one there. We'll come back uh, with three more questions. Get battered by a Man United fan. What's going on? Got to win something this year, Anthony. So. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Man United then. They did get off to a winning start. They won 2-1. And after a lot of moaning from uh, from Mourinho himself and from fans, of course, over preseason, it was a fairly handy win, Peter. Yeah, it was. it's, it's weird. Like There was such a... Such an air of negativity, like because of Mourinho, the fans, everything. I, I almost felt that it was for the first time ever in my life. I felt that the first game of the season was almost must win, just to change the narrative slightly. You know what I mean? Around around the club, and it did, um, I think, as well because you know. it did slightly. But then you know, I, I don't know. Like the, the performance wasn't great, but it's, like it's hard to judge because they they were obviously united. Were one of the clubs most, you know, heavily affected with players coming back late from from World Cup duty. So, um, you know, and, and then it it was it, like obviously coming straight after, like the day after the transfer window, which was obviously you know a pretty disappointing day for Man United fans. Um, it, it was good to get the win. Um, I, I thought, you know, United Mourinho's teams tend to sit off when they score. So because they got the goal so early, you know, they sat off Leicester a little bit and Leicester huffed and puffed. But I, I thought through the second half, United kind of looked more, looked like they were going to break away and score for, for quite a while before they actually got the second goal. So um, the performance was OK. It was, ju- it was a typical Jose Mourinho performance. Not great, but we got the result, you know. On, on the signings then, Peter, because obviously Fred came in and, and he looked very good as well, you'd have to say. Yeah. But is he is he right to complain about the, the lack of backing from Woodward? Is is that fair? Ah, yeah, he's been screwed over big time. Like, um, you know, Ben, who's, you know, one of the owners of the Football Faithful, he, he's, he's a season ticket holder at, at Old Trafford. And he was saying that... Um, the general feeling within the ground, like there's a lot of fans are unhappy with Mourinho's style of play, but like the anger is towards, you know, the club for not signing players, not not towards Mourinho, you know. You know, you don't, Mourinho was hired to avoid, you know, before Ferguson won his first league in 92, 93, United hadn't won the league in 26 years. That's now happened over Liverpool. They're nearly 30 years. It becomes like a noose around your neck. And the only year after Fergie went was to stop that happening. So you get Jose in for his three years or whatever. He's a short-term manager, but at every other club he has ever been at, if he's given what, he's, what he wants, he has won the league. So you, it's like they went in so far with Mourinho, but then Woodward kind of got cold feet. And I think there's, I think Woodward, it, there's big problems there with him. He's been the one rejecting players. Like what, he, he's, he's a marketing genius. He, he's not a judger of football players. But I, yeah. do, I do wonder about the players that they 
targeted as well. I mean, like, I know Harry Maguire had a good World Cup and all that, but... Oh, Harry Maguire, I wouldn't have touched, Sam. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and then... Toby Alderworld's the one I wanted. Absolutely, but, but, but they're yeah. to- two totally different players. It's, you know what I mean? It's not like you're kind well, of... For me, what you know, and this, okay, this might sound a little bit weird to say it, but United don't need a defensive centre-back. They need someone who can step out from the back with the ball. Uh, because so often last season, if you watch them, that's why they can look so stodgy at times. Is because all that the two centre backs are doing are passing it out to the to the full backs, which is fine a lot of the time. But when there is a gap in midfield, you need to be able to rattle it into your midfielder to cross the play, even to go into the striker's feet or even put one down the channel. And, and United haven't had that, so they needed a player in the ilk of um, of Alderworld, who's I think is on his day to up there with Van Dijk, probably the two best central defenders in the league. Um, and, yeah, that's that's who I wanted. Now, 29 Spurs, you should never even, you know, United haven't signed a player from Spurs since the Berbatov deal because they're a nightmare to do business with. They might have had to pay over the odds for a 29-year-old, but, you know, if, if he's going to solve such a such a problem, then this is, this is the way it is. I thought Maguire would have been knee-jerk to sign him because he had a good World Cup, but, you know, running out from the back against Panama and Tunisia, you know, it, I think it would have been knee-jerk to spend big money on him. Um, although I would have liked what him and Mina would have brought, which would have been a bit of, you know, a bit of danger from set pieces, which I think Mourinho's teams have always had in the past, but they haven't uh, necessarily had it United. There's a big problem for me in that, they knew what they were getting when they they hired Mourinho. So why pull out now? You know, it, yeah. it's kind of as if people have this idea in their heads that oh, sign young players, but like young players don't guarantee success it, by any stretch of the imagination. So, people uh, think I find a twenty-three year old really? he's going to play because he's thirty-three, brilliant. Like it, it's one out of ten players play at the very top level for ten years. So this idea of sign young players, I, I know they'll have a sell-on value or whatever, but. You know, I think I've said to you before, Sam, and I, and I stick by it, I, I absolutely despise when Man United, when they sign new players and when at every opportunity they get, they tell everybody we're the biggest club in the world. Because Woodward supposedly, I can understand, they, they, they've been scattergun in the transfer market since Woodward came in. One year it's young players, the next season it's experience. It's been all over the place, right? And maybe this was the year he was going to say, OK, I'm not going to spend over the odds. You know, Latans, Sanchez is now playing big wages for, for players who are kind of you know, one kind of close to 30, some over. Maybe it's the year he said, look, I'm not going to get ripped off anymore. I'm going to do things a different way. But like, don't be running around telling everyone who listened that you're the biggest club in the world and then try yeah. and not, not yeah. want to pay agents extra or players or clubs for trying to get more money out of you. You can't have it both ways, like, you know. Uh, they seem to be on a bit of a crossroads, United, for me. Um, you know, whether they're going to stick with Mourinho and, and, his, and his ways and his methods or they're going to sort of come away from it and, and try something different. And, and, and maybe that that's the sign of a rift going on there between Woodward and Mourinho. I don't know. But, you know, you either back the manager or, or you don't and yeah. you get shots of him, don't you? You know, I, I don't really know. But there's quality in that United team. That, and, and maybe it needs, I don't know if it's Mourinho or somebody else, but I think it needs to be nursed out. I think with a player like player like Pogba, you know, he, he's an absolute world-class player and he needs runners in front of him because he can dictate the way a, a game is played, the pace of the game, you know, and he, he, I think you, you mentioned Keita before about him being able to do all kinds of different things. I think Pogba's similar and he just needs a bit of a runner, you know, some runners in front of him, you know, and I, I don't know, there seems to be a bit of a, a, a sort of crisis of direction at Man United at, at the moment, I'd say. Oh, yeah, you're still sure. going to be fine on the Absolutely. 
I am fuming with Pogba, and I can't see that other Man United fans can't see it. Like, you know, the, straight after the World Cup, he was he was immense in the World Cup, right? But after the World Cup, a lot of these lazy pundits, even lads who are normally good, like Rio Ferdinand, sit straight there and they say, oh, yeah, now Mourinho has to get him to play like that. But that's how Mourinho's been trying to get him to play. He was disciplined in the World Cup for France. He won his battle, and then when his battle was won, he started to express himself. At Man United, anyone with half a tactical or, or, or half an understanding of football could see that over the last two seasons at United, he was completely tactical, tactically indisciplined. And, and that's why he was so frustrating. Too many, not even tactical in this, but just too laissez-faire with flicks and tricks. Yeah, and trying to be, yeah. You know, a YouTube footballer. But in France, that was, like with France and the World Cup, that was all gone. It was out the window. Deschamps didn't tell him to just go out and impress himself. He told him to be disciplined. He did it. And he played the best football of his career. Like, um, France were pretty defensive lads, to be honest with you, in the World Cup. They, were, they, weren't, they had individual players that were able to hurt other teams at big moments in games. But well, that's kind of what United, are, that's what United exactly, are like. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So the reason why I'm fuming with Pogba is because this is a young lad who, who fucked off Ferguson and went off to, to Juventus, whether he's right or wrong. Now, I, I don't know the ins and outs, but knowing a little bit about Ferguson, I'd say Ferguson was furious when they broke the world record to bring him back to Old Trafford, right? Because it basically proved he was wrong. Then after two years of being lackluster at Man United, at the bid from Barcelona comes in this summer, right? That, I think we've all known enough about football to know now that Barcelona don't make that bid, which was derisory, by the way. Two lads they gave to fucking Everton and, and 45 million. <laughs> um, you know, they, like this is... That was, this is, the, this is the, the, the warning shot for next summer. Yeah, but, but exactly. They're, they're letting <laughs> yeah. it know it's there. But Sam, they don't make that bid unless Raiola and, and Pogba's camp have told them to do it. Do you know what I mean? P clubs don't just randomly make bids for players until they know the players' interest in some of them. So he's tried to engineer, he's either tried to engineer his way out of Man United or he's tried to get himself a big bumper contract, one or the other this summer. And then he comes back, Mourinho, whatever, say Mourinho's a dick, I get that, I'll buy into that. I do think there's no objectivity left with how people judge Mourinho anymore, um, but that's a different story. But he comes back, Mourinho praises him in the first press conference, makes him captain, comes out in his post-match press conference, gives him praise, right? And then Pogba comes out and power plays him, at, you know, basically saying, he's obviously been told to Woodward after, you're going nowhere, you're one of the most commercial, commercially viable players in the world, and, and you know, you have, you're, you have a lot of power here at Man United. Like, He's, he's, he's come out and taken on the manager of Man United now. Like, can, can Man United fans not see that this lad has been mugging Man United off since he was about 19 years age, of age? Like? Uh, I've got two questions, really. Just Can United challenge, and if not, will Mourinho last the season? Uh, no, and no. I, I don't... Yeah, I, look, listen, I hope I'm wrong, right? But I don't think... I said earlier, I don't think anyone will challenge City. And if Mourinho learns pretty early in the season that he's not going to challenge them, he, you know, he, he's going to be melted. Yeah, he'll start, yeah, he'll start. He'll get started. That's what he'll do. But now the only other thing, then, this is me clutching at straws on the, you know, <laughs> find find holes in Liverpool and clutching at straws at United now is that <laughs> maybe, maybe just because Mourinho's always done his best work with with supposedly weaker teams. And, you know, and, and when everyone he thinks at, or thinks everybody's against them, etc. Maybe because, maybe United have almost hit rock bottom in terms of the negativity around the club in the last while. 
and and maybe all that can come out of it now is, is for things to get better. But I I, I don't see. Yeah, I I, 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 think, I think that is. is I think that really is clutching his jaws because I mean, yeah, yeah. In, in order to in order to do that, the... yeah, but in order to do that, you have to like gal- galvanize the team around you. And I don't think that there's many players in that squad who really like Mourinho. You know what I mean? You saw how he's yeah, treated it's, Shaw, it's, but hang on, it's, hang on. It's strange you, though because you've seen how he treated Shaw over the last couple of years. You saw all the players running towards him when Shaw scored his goal, which was a lovely moment mm-hmm. as well, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. You've seen how he was with Martial over the summer. I know you've always been kind of fifty-fifty about Martial, but you know what? He's just had his baby it's very easy to just i mean a very easy way to get that player on side is is say go away son go be with your kid for 10 days and come back when you're ready that family is the most important thing and if you do that the player's going to go do you know what that guy's got my back i'm going to be there for him and i'm going to i'm going to do what i have to do yeah is do you know see, what I mean? Sam, I, I, yeah i i i get you right but like and and like i i think you what you're saying is what most man united fans and, and stuff but I, I'd kind of put a bit more weight behind what Gary Neville said on, on Friday night. Um, because let's be honest, he, he knows more about what's going on at Man United than we do. Yeah, yeah. And he actually, said, he actually said on Sky Sports that this idea that the players don't like Mourinho and they don't enjoy working with him isn't true. He, said, he actually said, I have, friend, I have friends, I still talk to people in the dressing room. And, and they are not an unhappy group of players. So... There's definitely a problem with Pogba Martial. I, I, I don't deny that at all. But I think in general, there's just a bigger... Mourinho has almost become yesterday's man in terms of how he deals with players because the younger players are, are, are very soft compared to the way that... You, you know, you, the old school managers used to challenge players. Nowadays, you can barely say boo to them. And I think I kind of... Like, you look at Pogba and a lot of the other ones, and I remember Wenger saying it last year, and it builds into the whole... United being more obsessed with business than, than anything else now and why they're Molly Codden and Pogba's because when somebody, some of these guys have more followers across social media than the vast majority of football clubs do. No, I, I think that's it. I mean, you know, Be- Beckham almost became too big for Manchester United, didn't he? And I, and I think Ferguson sensed that. There was, something in, there was something there in the background that he didn't like. You know, he, he was almost becoming more famous and more important than Manchester United as, as a brand, you know. And I, and I think this this is what I'm saying about Man United almost being at this crossroads. It's like, where do you want to go? Do you want to roll the clock back and have the great football on the ground again and bring your kids through, or do you want to go and and have the superstar players, but then they become too powerful? And and you know, it, as you say, if, if Pogba is undermining the manager, is that acceptable? You know, and you, Real Madrid have been doing that for years, haven't they? Like the Galacticos, the, the the players over there are bigger than the manager. There's no question about that. And it's 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 with Man United now. Are you happy going down that road, or are you going to stick with like the sort of almost traditional view where there's no player bigger than the club? You know, it's it's a tough one to balance. And Mourinho is. I'm surprised how poorly Mourinho's managed the situation to a degree because he's managed big clubs across the world. Um, and I, I am I am to in, in a to an extent surprised. I mean, whether Pogba is just a super ego who's almost unmanageable, I don't know. But um, I, I would be. Very surprised if, if Mourinho was there at the end of the season, the way things are going at the yeah, moment. No, yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah, and, no, and, uh, no, Deschamps, no. Well, Deschamps managed to get a tune out of Pogba, and uh, we, we saw him uh, very good at Juve, of course, as well. So One last point, actually, though, that, that I want. Somebody said this to me the other day, and they had me stumped, right? And I, like we were talking about Spurs. I was actually saying, you know, about Spurs, I think they might struggle this season, blah, blah. Somebody said to me, how many Man United players were getting Spurs starting eleven? So I know everyone says Man United have a brilliant squad. How many Man United squad players would you put into Spurs starting eleven? De Gea, 
That's about, that's about it. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah, yeah that's the, that is that is a tough one. Nah, yeah, that is. Yeah. I couldn't believe it when someone said that to me, but it's really true. Like for for everyone that says United have this brilliant squad, I I, I can't get the I can't really get I can't get more than maybe two players into the team that that finishes third most seasons. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Spurs then, because they didn't manage to bring in any players in the window, becoming the first team to do that since the introduction of the transfer window, which is pretty incredible. But they did manage to hold on to pretty much everyone that they would have wanted to and improve some of the contracts of the players that were there, which isn't bad, actually, when you think about it. Um, so is that is that going to be enough? Will they end up going backwards, Anthony? What do you reckon? Well, uh, it, it, it strange as it sounds, I actually feel a little bit sorry for Spurs. I mean, how you can feel sorry for a rich Premier League football club is beyond me, I suppose. But, you know, they're trying to build something there. and they, they, They've got the stadium, which they're spending an awful lot of money on. And they're trying to build it from the ground up with Pochettino. I think ultimately it's going to hurt them not signing any players. But they're trying to fund things their own way. And they, they may now be facing what Arsenal faced for six or seven years, which is horrendous austerity, which is only going to hurt the the squad and it'd be such a shame I think for that squad to fall apart and to not win anything but if I think the brutal reality of the Premier League is if you don't strengthen your team it's only going to come back and hurt you and they've got a lot of players there like Kane and Ali and we've played a lot of football for them and they're very important they almost don't miss a game when they're fit Um, and I I thought Kane was looking very tired by the end of the World Cup and there was reports he was holding he was holding his back after the Columbia shootouts and um, you know, Delhi Ali's he's got a bit of a, an up and down fitness record. I don't know. I think they needed reinforcements, but I think the grim reality for them was he just couldn't afford them. It's, I just don't think they were, the money was there, unfortunately. It's interesting with Spurs. Um, I, I'd actually kind of have a feel. I, I have been saying for the last few weeks to, to a couple of people that um, I think they might really, really struggle uh, this season because I just think, you know, that. They've a they've a brilliant start in eleven, but not necessarily a squad. Um, it's a poor squad, isn't a it? A lot, a lot of that squad have have played a huge, like the Ericsons, the Dyers, the Canes, the Allies. They've played a, a massive amount of football um, over the last kind of three or four seasons at a really, really high intensity as well. That the Pochettino yeah. play, but you know, on the other hand, like. They have got this like really good ability of, of kind of everyone writing them off every year over the last three years. Oh, they lose their players, or oh, they lost one or two players. They struggle. Like it's been pretty seamless. They've lost. You know, they managed to freeze out who I have said I think is the best centre back in the league, Toby Alderweireld. They lost Kyle Walker and and you know and Danny Rose, who looked like the best left back in the Premier League a couple of seasons ago, and they've handled that uh, that no problem. So. I do think Kane will inevitably pick up injuries through the season and yeah. they did. But I, I don't think we could, yeah. It, it is a strange one that, that they didn't sign anyone. And I do think a bit, you know, a lot of that has to do with the window closing so early as well. Um, I think it caught everyone a bit off guard after the World Cup as well. So, um, yeah, strange. I think they'll be um, At a push, I'd say they might, they might actually be the, the team to slip out of the top four. But... There's a part to me that just kind of thinks that they've they've proved a lot of people wrong over the last few seasons. So kind of why why won't they do it again? You know, that stadium has absolutely swollen in cost, hasn't it? it is it 850 million now? It's it, it's costing them. And yeah, it's, they, it's, I, think I, they I just earlier as well that it's uh, it's behind schedule again today. It's behind schedule, it. yeah, yeah, that's it. Well, you know, I think that they've got every right to feel a little bit aggrieved when, when you look at the likes of, say, West Ham, who spent £100 million this summer, but they've effectively got their stadium for £15 million. 
You know, well, yeah, uh, it's it, a shithole. The crazy thing is, Sam, you remember <laughs> <laughs> a freebie. Sam, you remember last sure. right at the end when when we when we stopped uh, doing the pods last season. Uh, I think one of the last episodes, um, Pochettino has signed his new five-year contract. That's and right. Supposedly, yeah. reports came out at the time saying one of the stipulations of that new contract were that he was getting 150 million in the summer and. The, like Levy time was coming to an end. They were going to do their business nice and early from now on. <laughs> yeah, I'd see that, that, that's, that's the magic of it, Peter. You know, you, you can't leave it till the last minute if you don't do any business. Listen, if you're a Spurs fan and you, and you hear it, like, I don't know, I'd say Carl is <laughs> foaming at the mouth. Um, but, you know, if, if you're a Spurs fan and you hear that back in May, new long-term contract for a highly in-demand manager. He's getting 150 million. We're going to do our business early. And you end up being the, the first team ever not to sign any players. <laughs> in the it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's mental, really. Well, I mean, you'd hardly believe it, but uh, I mean, they, they beat Newcastle 1-0 and amazingly, Newcastle outspent Spurs in the transfer window. I mean, they're, they're still not spending a huge amount of money, still haven't beaten their uh, uh, previous transfer record, which is still Michael Owen from about 15 <laughs> years ago. Um, yeah. w- what kind of situation are they in? Can they hang on to Benitez and can they survive? I think um, with Rafa, he's, he's such a loyal guy. You know, he, he, he stayed at Liverpool for two, two or three seasons when Gilles and Hicks were, were destroying the club from, from the inside out. Um, and it's, it's not too dissimilar with, with uh, Newcastle at the moment. What was the was it negative net spend of minus 22 million this summer or something crazy like that? Um, you know, that's a massive club up there. And I think Benitez senses that. I think I think he'll stay out of loyalty, but he may well have his head turned next summer. Um, I think while Benitez is there, they'll stay up. Definitely, they'll be fine. But the cut, they are playing with fire. If they lose Benitez, then you, I don't think any decent manager is going to fancy going there if, if, if you've got that Ashley fella giving you 20 quid to spend every summer on, you know, a curly whirly and, and Debenhams <laughs> or whatever he buys. You know yeah. what I mean? He's, <laughs> I think he's he's terrible for for that club. Actually, the, the best thing you can do is um, just try and find somebody. And I, I know sort of better the devil you know sometimes with owners, but he's um, you know for Michael Owen to still be their record transfer is it, that's crazy. Yeah, you know amazing. that is absolutely crazy stuff, isn't it? You know? And and it was only one million more than they paid for Alan Shearer. <laughs> yeah, twenty years later. Yeah. Yeah. You what are? happened to the buyout last year? Do you man- remember a man? He wanted too much, like, please. This is all supposed to happen. What he, happened there? Like, yeah, he, he wanted too much. Yeah. yeah, he wanted too much, and 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 well, nearly risked them going down. Which is, uh, he's just uh, he's just a leech on that club. But uh, I think it's fair to yes. say. Uh, anyway, so uh, we we mentioned uh, Spurs and Newcastle not bringing in players. Let's talk very briefly about two clubs who brought in loads of players. That's Wolves and Everton. They played out a two-all draw. Uh, Wolves look kind of like the pick, really. I mean, I know Fulham are very good side as well, but Wolves look the pick of the promoted sides and uh, could do something pretty interesting this term, Peter. Yeah, I was reading today they had a, they as a club they have a seven-year plan, which is is to try and, and and be in the title race or even win the Premier League. I think within uh, six to seven years or seven years. And um, yeah, when you when you have you know Jorge Mendes uh, sending over all the best best young Portuguese talent. Um, <laughs> And they have a solid plan behind them. They could well do something. I think Wolves are here to stay. They'll be a Premier League club for a while because, like I said, I think they, they're a club with, with, with a. It's easy to throw together these plans and all, but they, they seem to 
seem to be doing things well. They're they're spending money, but they're spending spending it well. You know, it's it's easy to just blow money around like QPR and all did on kind of age and you know England internationals and stuff. Give them mad money, but you know they're they're buying a lot of young players or, or proven players as well. They seem to have a good mix there. And Ruben Neves looks like a serious player. Um, I don't think he'll he'll be there beyond this season. Um, you know, I, I think. I look at West Ham, I think the likes of Neves is a much better signing than a kind of Jack Wiltshire with all the baggage. And yeah. every time he, he passes the ball to one of his teammates, you have people calling him to get back into the England squad. You know, uh, I, I think, I, I think yeah, not, they, they re- look really, play some good football as well. Um, they're going to be a really interesting team to, to watch over the course of the season. I didn't actually watch too much of them last year in the Championship, if I'm honest. Um, but I was really impressed with what I saw on, uh, on Saturday night. And uh, what about the team on the other side of Liverpool then, Anthony? They, uh, well, I think real estate agents in Liverpool must be rubbing their hands this summer with all the new players who've uh, arrived in the city. <laughs> uh, Marco Silva's made a lot of signings and uh, they're continuing to invest. I mean, they did it last summer as well and it didn't quite work out for them. But uh, Richarlison looks a player. I mean, we, we thought he was pretty good at the start of last season under Marco Silva as well. And he's uh, repaying that money pretty early on with two goals. Nah, they're going down, Everton. Don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, they, 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 they look good, Everton. To be fair, I thought um, I thought they were unlucky uh, to only draw. Um, I, I, looking at Wolves, um, I, I didn't really believe the hype too much in them, and I thought Everton was by far the better team. With Charleston, um I think will do very well there. Um, Everton are the kind of football club who like. A player like him, they are they're a bit like Liverpool in that regard. They like a, a guy who can play football neat and tidy and open up a team with a lovely pass and got the eye for a great goal. Um, Rich Richarlison looks a real, real signing for them. Um, they'll take some adapting. I think Silva's inexperience um, in the Premier League might hurt them a few times. I think he, he's almost come overnight, hasn't he? He's only 43 Premier League games he's he's had um, so far, something daft like that. So whether he can adapt to the you know, the, the more demanding levels of Everton from, you know, Watford and Hull, uh, where he's sort of started well at Watford and dipped off. You know, the expectation after all that money being spent, I don't know, it, it, that there, there is a question mark there. Um, but certainly, if you're an Everton fan and, and you're looking at the likes of Arsenal and Burnley who finished above you last season, you, you'd be feeling quietly confident you could, you could make a push for sixth or seventh this season with, with the quality that they've got. I don't see why not. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, before we go to the second part of the quiz, I just want to get a quick prediction prediction from you guys. Uh, so let's get top four and bottom three. Peter? Oh, um, I will go with... I'll go Man, Man United 1. Um, <laughs> no, no. That, 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 Manchester City 1, Liverpool 2, Man United 3, and I will go Chelsea 4. Okay, and down? Bottom three, Cardiff, not a hope today staying up. Huddersfield got off to a good start last season, but, you know, they, they've been pretty poor for nearly, you know, apart from maybe the first 10 or 12 weeks in the Premier League, they've, they've looked kind of not good enough. Um, I think Huddersfield, after seeing them on the opening day, are, are woefully short of quality. And last place, I'm actually going to go for Brighton. I think they did well to, to, to stay up last season but I think when he had Norwich he did well you know stayed up and then he went Newton Chris Newton obviously and then he went and bought a lot of players um, and, and they struggled the following season I think he's kind of done that again this year and I think uh, I think their uh, luck will kind of run out a bit this year as well Cool Anthony 
I never thought I'd agree with a Man United fan so much, uh, Sam. To be honest with you, yeah, um, I'd say uh, I'd say City top definitely. Uh, I can't see many clubs getting near them. They just, they just look too good for my money. Um, City top. I mean, Liverpool can push for second definitely. Um, United probably in third, and um, unless they implode. And then uh, I'd say fourth place probably Chelsea will just spurs to it. Um, definitely, I think your bottom three are Huddersfield look woeful. Uh, I, I, I think they were lucky to stay up last season. To be honest with you, I think Wagner's, Wagner's a likable guy. Uh, he'll, he'll have plenty of fight, but the quality is just not there. Um, I think Cardiff are similar. Uh, I think Warnock's been incredibly naive. I don't, I don't like to be too dismissive of him because of what he's done in you know in the game. You know, and I know he's love him or hate him kind of guy, but. I think you, you can't come into the Premier League with a Championship quarter players. I think I think they're going to go down. Um, and I'd say Brighton. Yeah, I, I think they might be found out a little bit as well. Um, you know, there's, there's a few players there. It might be a bit of a one-season wonder. The likes of Grobe and people like that, who, who were very impressive for them. But I don't think I did them awful against Watford, and I, I can see them getting sucked in. Yeah, I, I can't really disagree with you much. I, I've still got a little bit of the doom and gloom, Peter, from the summer. So I'm going to say United are actually going to drop out of the top four. Uh, with uh, Spurs going into third and uh, Chelsea in fourth, so there you go. Uh, we'll mm-hmm. see. We'll see what happens. Right back to the quiz then, and part two. Peter, you're leading with one and a half points, and it's the same situation. It's all about the World Cup. I'll ask a question. You say your name, and uh, if you say your name, I'll go to you. You get it right, you get the point. You get it wrong, it goes to the other person. So, uh, question three: Which team won all three group games without conceding a goal? Uh, no, it wasn't. Uh... Oh, You're right there, Peter. Yeah, like pizza. He's just dropped his phone. He can't Google it. I hope that's what it was. <laughs> Nobody? No, it's really um, obvious. Now, give us another second, will you? It's not France because they've conceded that penalty against Australia. Australia, yeah. I can tell you this team only conceded three goals in the whole competition, including two in the quarterfinal. Peter, 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 Peter. Croatia. No. Ah. <laughs> I was sure of it. No. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to go for Belgium. It wasn't. It was Uruguay. Ah, ah of course. Uruguay. Of course. Uh, yeah, everyone was blowing smoke up uh, the Atletico Madrid boys. That's it, that's it. Uh, All right, uh, next question. Still one and a half to zero to Peter. Uh, which Belgian player celebrated a goal by smashing the ball uh, off the post and into his face? Peter. And Peter. Peter. And Mickey Bashway. It was Mickey Bashway. Peter's two and a half. Oh, God, I was almost there and knew that one as well. <laughs> it's an un, it's now really it's an unassailable lead because there's only well two questions left. So I'll just I'll just ask him anyway. Maybe you can restore some pride, Anthony. I hope so. I hope so. Uh, <laughs> which team beat opponents from Asia, Europe, Africa, Central America, and South America? And and England. No. Uh, the question again was which team beat opponents from Asia, Europe, Africa, Central America, and South America? You don't need it anyway. It was Peter, Belgium. Peter, Go on. Yeah. Croatia. No, it was Croatia. Belgium. It was Belgium. <laughs> Dock him points. Dock him some points there. Uh, and one final. Administration managed to. That's it. <laughs> and one final one. Uh, Paul Pogba became the first Premier League player to score in a World Cup final since who? Ooh. Good, good, good Pete. trivia. One, this one. Uh, P- Peter. That's her name, yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> I don't know why he always do that. Emmanuel Petit. It was Emmanuel Petit. Very yeah, good. Of course, scored buddy. for France as well. Oh, might be slow getting World in, Cup. but I got the answer. <laughs> right. Uh, Can't have this again next week. No, no, go. listen. <laughs> He's, he's not bad at these quizzes, to be fair. It pretty much takes us to the end of the show. But first, uh, before we go, it's time for Prick of the Week. Who's our Prick of the Week this week? Ant. I've got Prick of the Week. Um, I'm going to go for Jag Yelka for diving in like a Muppet against Wolves. Uh, st- Should have known better for the 36-year-old. He might have pulled something. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, Peter, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to go. It's a bit controversial. I'm going to go for a double Prick of the Week. Yeah. Uh, this week. So my first one is Paul Merson for I don't know if you saw him on Deadline Day saying that Richardson's move to uh, to Everton ruined the transfer window. No, um, I didn't see that. Yeah, he, yeah, he blamed Richardson for single-handedly blame, ruined, ruining the transfer window. That's why big clubs couldn't get deals over the line because Richardson's forty million move uh, blew up the whole market. He said. Um, yeah, rubbish, Merce. And of course, this is Merson who got in trouble. Do you remember his kind of xenophobic rant about Marco Silva, yeah, foreign yeah. managers on Soccer Saturday? Well, Rich Arneson, who did he move to Everton? Of course, married, managed by uh, Marco Silva. So I don't know <laughs> if, if Merson maybe still has sour grapes. But uh, so you are a massive prick, Paul Merson. And secondly, uh, I'm actually going to go for the second, the man himself, Rich Arneson. They tie in nicely. Did you hear him saying that he was a childhood fan of Everton? Oh, top class. So wherever he was. A classic oh, move. No, no, no. Like Robbie Keane. He's like Robbie Keane. I saw someone today said his hero is Danny Catamatri. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Sorry, Richardson. I'm having none of it. You're a prick. Oh, that is top class. <laughs> I, of course, there was uh, there was uh, another actual genuine prick of the week over at Liverpool, wasn't there? Because you had the the double hand celebration from Klopp, but there was another. I don't know if you've seen this gift doing the rounds. They did a sort of a close up on Klopp's face, and in the background, you just see some lad with a boner. I mean, I know they were winning four 0 <laughs> but some lad in a in a Liverpool tracksuit. Don't know who it was. Just put his hands over himself very quickly just to hide it. But, uh, well, we all saw, and now it's a gif on the internet. Anyway. <laughs> Andy Robertson going down the wing does that to you, Sam. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Well, listen, uh, we'll be back again next week. If you want to get involved uh, in the show, you can always send us an email. What's the email address, Peter? Podcast at thefootballfaithful.com Sam. and uh, we're also on Facebook we're on Twitter too and uh, for lots of great football content and good writing from these two lads and many others you'll find it all at thefootballfaithful.com and if you really want to support the show and get an extra show every month we've just set up a Patreon page uh, for this new season it only costs you $2 is what they charge, so $2 a month will get you an extra show every month, and it kind of helps us to keep it going and pay for all the bits and pieces that we have to do to do it. Uh, you know, price of a coffee, a bad coffee even. Uh, so just head <laughs> along to patreon.com and search for The Football Faithful, and also there'll be a link in the info underneath here where you can find that one. And uh, don't worry, you don't have to pay it. The podcast will still be free all the time, every week. You'll just get an extra one if you pay two euros a month. That's it. Uh, thanks so much, Peter. All right, take it easy, lads. Enjoyed that. Thanks, Anthony. Great debut. Cheers, Sam. Thanks so much. Enjoyed it. And thanks for me. We'll be back again next week. See you then.